Hello, I'm Russ Jones, pastor at Faith Family Worship Center, and this is After the Sermon. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm going to share with you thoughts and challenges I couldn't share with you during my morning message. I mean, really, this time, I, I just, there was no way I could even get close to saying this stuff without going on for too long. Anyhow, you'll be able to watch the message at ffwc.us or at our YouTube channel, FFWC Palm City, where you'll find lots of our messages there. This is kicking off the next series called Restore Love. Um, This is from November 7th, and um, we're going to be walking through this during the month of November. Now, is restoring, I'm I'm sorry, restore hope. My notes are wrong. Um, I think that's the first mistake I made all day. Okay. Um, Restoring love, is it possible? Absolutely. Restoring your heart, I've seen it happen. But the one thing that I see people struggle with over and over again is restoring hope. And here's the reason why. They don't know it when they see it. And when it shows up, they have have no idea that it's standing right in front of them. Um, uh, First of all, I don't blame people for not seeing it. I know that Satan is doing all that he can to keep everybody away from hope. As long as he can keep them hopeless, he can manipulate them and you and me as much as he wants to because fear then overwhelms where there is no hope, where there is hopelessness. But it is on us if we do not shift our spiritual point of view and discover what real hope is. So, If you're thirsty, you go find something to drink. That's pretty easy, probably around your house. Or if you're outside, you can go to a convenience store. But I see, I was raised in in the back hills of Arkansas, and sometimes we'd be out in the middle of some farmland in the middle of nowhere, and somebody forgot to bring some water, um, and you'd have to go find it. Um, You sure didn't drink the stuff out of a pond, and and you didn't exactly trust anything that was running down the creek because you didn't know what the cattle were doing up the creek. Um, You know what I mean. So anyhow, you would end up going back down to the house, and this time you came back with a big old jug full of water for everybody if you had to make a special trip. But it's up to us whether we need to make a slight shift in our spiritual point of view, or if we need to go on a big trip, it's on us to go find hope. I said that in my message, the hope of this world anticipates something or aspires towards something that is merely an optimistic desire. You know, I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope hope I make it. I hope. Yeah, you can hear it in my voice, right? There are no guarantees, and it's subject to change. And see, that's the thing about the hope of this world. You never know if, if it's going to work. All this positive self-help affirmation, self-improvement stuff is okay. It really is. And, And if, and this is a big if, if you recognize God as your creator and your provider... Now, most of the self-help stuff I read, and listen, I do executive coaching and consulting, so I read to understand the times that we are in, and and I see it, and I think that's good stuff that some of it's out there, but there are no guarantees, and everything is subject to change without notice or warning. Isn't that irritating, you know, whenever it's, well, no, you can't do this anymore. That used to work. Nope, it doesn't work now. 
Uh, and it, it changes so much. It's like the gas prices at the pump, right? This kind of hope is highly motivational, but it's also potentially destructive. You see, here it is. If you see yourself as the center of your universe, and if you see yourself as the provider of your every need, you will implode. And when that happens, so does all your hopes and dreams. Now, let's talk about hope in Christ. It is an optimistic assurance that is guaranteed because it's anchored in Christ Jesus who never changes, never. Meaning his promises for, for that were true yesterday are for today, and they will be here tomorrow. Because the world in you and I live in changes now faster than ever, what works today probably won't work tomorrow. Even in church, we see ourselves adapting and changing at a furious rate. I get uncomfortable with it because I'm thinking, well, we just got, we were just getting pretty good at doing this. Now it doesn't work anymore. Oh, great. Okay, fine. God never changes. Hebrews 13, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. And so we know that he, because he never changes, his promises never change. And what we were standing on yesterday will work today. Is that not a relief? I mean, does not, that just kind of, don't you just want to sit back and go, boy, that's pretty good. You know, I I know what I can count on. When the sun comes up tomorrow, it's still going to be there and and God's never going to leave me or give up on me. But let's dig in a little deeper to this. Trust requires love. First uh, Corinthians 13, 7, some versions says love always trusts or always believes or believes all things. In other words, love believes in the other person. And I get this one. I, I really do because we've all been offended or hurt in the name of love. So to turn around and to say, okay, um, I, I, I love them, but I don't trust them. It's a, it's a process that takes place. But I want you, that that's on our level. Jesus loves you and he believes in you even whenever you are behaving at your worst possible place. His, that means his promises still matter. They, they still work, even though you may be being a jerk at the moment. Now, there's nothing about this statement that, that, this statement that I've given you that gives you license to sin and forces God to answer your prayers. And I never said that. Faith lives for God, not against him. So that means your life lives for him and your lifestyle lives for him. Now, aren't you glad that you have hope? And even when you don't deserve it, you can have hope? Or when your faith isn't at its best, it's not at its peak, you still have hope. This leads me to the part of the sermon that I didn't have time for. Um, Some Arameans had raided a small town along the border and captured a young woman who was given to Naaman's wife and maid. Now, we're in, I think, 2 Kings 5, right? Hang on, I need coffee. Now, it says in verse number 3, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Now, the first thing I want want to ask you is this. Who is speaking hope into your life on a daily basis? Okay, you might want to write that down. You know, know, that's pretty good. Let me say it again. 
Who is speaking hope into your life on a daily basis? Hope is a daily need. It's something you need. It's it's not like it's not the holy grail. It's not something elusive out there and and something magical. It's it's real and you need it every day. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily needs in Matthew chapter number six, right? So why why not pray for hope? Do you listen to podcasts that lift your hope up, like this one after the sermon? Do you read daily devotionals, uh, whether you have a book or if you do it on YouVersion app? Every morning, my wife, Betty, reads from her daily devotionals and listens to a daily gratitude group on the app Telegram. I got to tell you, you know, at first, whenever I was listening to this, I was like, what in the world is going on? But as she began to... Uh, share with me some of the details and the stories behind the people that were on this app and what they were doing. I, you know, I'm just, I'm there in the house, she's listening to her thing, and I hear some of the stuff, and they, you know, some of them had just had a horrible day. I mean, a horrible week. And, and, and uh, I mean, genuinely, you would say the same thing if you were going through what they were going through. But they said, uh, you know, they would find something to be grateful for all the time. Uh, what do you do to receive God's hope in your life? What do you, what do, you do to, to make yourself available to receive what he has to give you? Now, take time to answer this question. If need be, take steps necessary to meet this need in your life. That's, this is on you. I can do everything to give, to be able to write and speak and do podcasts and preach and teach. But what are you doing to receive everything that God gives, that has given to you? Not just what I do, but what others have done for you. Now, the next question I want to ask is, who are you being a messenger of hope to? Now, I I want you to get this. I really, really, really want you to get this. This young lady has been kidnapped and forced into slavery doesn't sound like the best of situations, does it? I mean, I know. Yet, she hasn't allowed her condition to affect her faith. Oh, my goodness. I mean, think about this. She's been, she's kidnapped. She's been taken. It's not far down the road from wherever her house is, I, I, wherever she was taken from. She lived somewhere along the border. And, and, and this, this kingdom wasn't, you know, wasn't massive like the Roman Empire. It's just, just you know, we, today we call it Syria. It mostly is. And, and she's, she's not that far away from home, but there she is. And she hasn't allowed this condition of her slavery, of being in bondage, to affect her faith. In fact, it seems that she has some affection towards her master and his wife. And there's, there seems to be some, some level of she, she really likes these guys. And she desires for her master to be healed. It, it's a genuine desire of her heart. What kind of faith does it take? I mean, she, she just says, if only my master and the prophet could meet, he, she, he, would, he would be healed. She was so convinced. Is your faith, is your hope that convincing to other people? That, that's a good question, isn't it? When you speak about faith, do people look at you and go, and listen, even if they go, if they turn their nose up at you, if they, if they bristle at it, do, but still, they cannot walk away and say that you do not believe 
what in what you say. And it's that level of faith that gives people hope. Your situation should never determine the level of your faith. That's a hard thing to do. Oh, man. Uh, for many times when we get in bad circumstances or bad situations, we, we have bad faith. We, we do. We just watch our faith just deflate like a balloon. And, and what we need to do is the exact opposite. Let your faith meet the need. So don't allow your faith to, do be, to be determined by your situation. Let the situation challenge your faith to meet the need. See the difference? Now, uh, we read the rest of the story and we find Naaman dipping in the River Jordan. But th- this is a question that, that people have pondered for probably a few thousand years. Why seven times? Why not just one? A couple. Why, you know, wh- why did he have to go in? It was a test of his faith. It's simple as that. Would he do all seven? You see, um, there was nothing, and I know that he wasn't healed after number six. I mean, he dipped once, twice, three, four, five, six. Nothing's happened. It isn't until he hit number seven that he comes out of the water, and the Scripture says that his skin was was soft and, and clean and healed. If he'd have got out at number five and said, forget it, pride would have won the day. And how many times have we missed our blessing because we wouldn't, we wouldn't see our faith through to completion. We just missed out on what God has in store for us because we didn't finish what he started. Seven has always been understood to be God's perfect number. And so Naaman's solution was perfect. Get in this dirty Jordan River and dip in it seven times. It was humiliating, but it worked. So is your solution that God has for you. You just have to trust him that he knows what he's doing, even though you're looking at it going, I don't want to do this. I I, I don't want to go here. I don't want to do that. James said that faith without works is dead. Naaman's healing required his participation. And as we read the scripture, we can see he was hoping for somebody to come out and wave a hand over him and go, boom, you're healed. And, you know, you hear angels, ah, and all sorts of stuff happen. And then he would look down and go, I am healed. You know, that's what he was hoping for, okay, to happen. What promises are you standing on? And what does God want to do in your life? Okay. Mm-hmm. More coffee. And um, what, what, if you are standing on a promise, but you're telling God how to fulfill the promise, as, you know, you might want to back off. Standing on the promises, that's wonderful. Telling God how to do his job, no, don't, don't do that. This was a test of his humility. Would he be willing to drown his pride in the Jordan River? That's what it was all about. Pride comes before the fall, the Bible says, but humility honors God and he blesses it. Mm. There is hope, and that restoration of hope is for you. If you find yourself in a place where he can see you, then he will come through for you. Here's the thing about pride whenever and why it gets in the way. Um, You've got a need. But your pride, you, you, you don't want to do anything. And, and so this pride covers you up. It, 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 the only thing God can see is your pride. Now, Naaman was, was genuinely seeking God. 
even though it was he was trying to do it on his terms, God gave him an option to get rid of your terms, do it my way, and I'll heal you. And uh, it, it, many times in our pride, we can't do what God asks us to do because, well, it, 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 we don't like it. It isn't that God is blind to what is going on in your life, but he chooses to see your faith and humility or you choose to show him your pride. If you'll embrace faith and humility, a whole, bun- a whole bunch of wonderful things will happen in your life. But if you're just going to be stuck in your pride, you're building a wall between you and God. Um, if, if you approach him with faith and a humble heart, God sees that and honors it. And God will be God. And you will not be God. And that's a good thing. Father, thank you what you've done for us, for your many blessings. And I pray, pour out your spirit upon these people who are listening here to my voice. Talk about hope and faith and humility and pride and Jordan Rivers and all the rest of it. God, I I pray that you will help them to just very gently set aside that pride, forgive themselves, ask for forgiveness, and, and just say, Lord, here I am. What do you want me to do? You want me to get in the Jordan River? Let's go. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, to the next five people who email me at ffwcpalmcity at gmail.com, I will be happy to send you a Dunkin' Donuts card or a Starbucks card for $5. Um, If you live outside of the country and um, um, you don't have a Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, I get that, Um, just email me. Let's see what we can do. We'll figure something out, but uh, first five people, let me know. Thank you at ffwcpalmcity at gmail.com. God bless. If you would like to know more about Faith Family Worship Center, please visit the website at ffwc.us. Check out our YouTube channel, FFWC Palm City. And you can also visit my website, russjones.us.